0: Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 18, verses 18 through 30. This is found on page 853 in your pew Bible, if you'd like to follow along. But before I read that, I invite you to bow your heads with me and join me in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you, and we thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Luke chapter 18, beginning with the 18th verse. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. He replied, I have kept all of these since my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, there's still one thing lacking, sell all that you own and distribute the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. But when he heard this, he became sad, for he was very rich. And Jesus looked at him and said, how hard, is it for the, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, Then who can be saved? And he replied, What is impossible for mortals is possible for God. Then Peter said, "Look, we have left our homes and followed you." And he said to them, "Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left his house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not get back very much more in this age and in the age to come eternal life." This is the gospel of the Lord. May he speak to you of Christ. So the year was 1982. Elders were gathering together at a church, a small church in South Carolina, to, for their, their monthly session meeting. They gathered together as they always had, and they were sharing their, their committee reports just like they did time and time again. And for most of the, the meeting, things were going well until finally the, the chairman of the finance committee gave his report. And everyone in this small little church held their collective breath. He started to talk about the finances and what they could do and how much they could spend and he said, the good news is is that we have just enough to to pay our bills once again this month. bad news is there's that pledge, that outstanding pledge that we have to the, the local food bank. We'll have to put that off again one more month, but if we put that off, we should be able to pay all of our bills. And with that, a huge sigh of relief came across the people in the session. Just before they closed the session meeting, one elder raised his hand and he said, are you meaning to tell me that we have pledged money to our local food bank and have not kept that pledge for two months? The Chairman of the finance committee said, yes, that's exactly right. And so the elder, with tears in his eyes, said, I will pay that pledge tomorrow. I would rather you owe me than them. We cannot believe in a God who keeps promises if we are not willing to keep promises ourselves. I've thought about that uh, situation a lot over the past few years, not only because that happened in my home church, and it was my Uncle Vern who made that statement, but because there are times in our lives where we have to make tough decisions. We have to decide which side we will be on. Where We have to make tough choices, whether it be about how we're going to spend our money or how we're going to spend our time. We have to make tough choices as a church. And I, I think about that statement that he made, that we have to stand on the promises of God. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the promises that God has made for us as we lead up to the season of Lent. We're going to be talking about some of those promises that God has made. You could probably name some of those promises. Promises that our lives depend on. The promise of grace, the promise of eternal life, the promise of God's steadfast faithfulness and steadfast love. But today we're going to start with a promise that I think most of the time we would like to skip over is probably better characterized as a warning rather than as a promise. It's the promise that Jesus tells us time and time again throughout Scripture, but we probably don't talk about far enough from the pulpit. And that is that being a disciple will be difficult. Being a disciple will cost us. It will cost us things that we don't know that we can afford to give. Jesus gives us that promise, that warning, time and time again throughout Scripture. And this is just one example of that from the Gospel of Luke that I read to you today, where Jesus, the, the rule, young rich ruler, comes to Jesus and asks him what he must do to inherit eternal life. And, and he tells, Jesus tells him those Ten Commandments, which you probably called out. And of course, the rich ruler said, well, I'm doing all of those things. And Jesus says, wait, wait, wait. You also have to sell all of your possessions and give your money to the poor. Gulp. I don't want to do that. And in other places, Jesus says similar things. He says things like if you want to save your life, you have to be willing to lose it. And if you're willing to lose your life, you will save it. He tells people that if you want to follow him, you have to deny yourself, pick up a cross like Jesus did, and follow him. He says time and time again that being a disciple, following Jesus Christ, is going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's going to cost us more than we think we can afford. Gulp again. And yet, just like these disciples in a passage this morning, my response is the same to those that calling to live as a disciple. That is impossible. There's no way we can do that. There's no way I can sell everything I have. There's no way I can please God and do all the things that God asks me to do. There's no way I can give my very life, which is what Jesus asks them to do. That's impossible. And yet, if we look at disciples throughout history, we see that somehow, some way, there are disciples all around us who have made that difficult choice. To follow Jesus Christ even when it means giving up their family, giving up their friends, giving up their possessions, and following a narrow and difficult path. Some of you might know the story of Clarence and Florence Jordan from just up the road in South Georgia. Clarence grew up in a little town just outside of Americus, Georgia. He was, grew up in a small uh, evangelical church there. But every single day as a child, he got really fed up when he would go to church and he would see all these wonderful people singing and, and, and praising God. And then he would go out into the world and he would see those same people oppressing and beating down African Americans around him, holding over Jim Crow laws over their heads and putting them down because they didn't belong. So as he grew up, he and his wife Florence decided to make a change. They decided to do something radical, and they created a little tiny community that they called Koinonia, There, just outside of America's Georgia, where African Americans and white people could live together in harmony. Where people who had a lot of money and people who had no money at all could could live there together. and, And they could live in peace and harmony and share their goods together. Because he believed that that's what Jesus called him to do. Finally, that little church where he grew up decided that they had had enough of Florence and Clarence and the lives that they had chosen to live, flouting the law and and living together in in interracial harmony. And so they called a church meeting like churches tend to do. And they decided they were going to to, to determine whether they should disfellowship with Clarence and Florence, Jordan. So at the meeting Florence was there sitting right up front while the entire church discussed whether what they were doing was right or what they were doing was wrong and it was clear from the conversation that they disagreed with how they had chosen to live their lives. This path of discipleship that they were on. And so finally the pastor in front of the congregation asked for someone to make a motion that they disfellowship and kick the Jordans out of the church. One person in the back replied, I make that motion. But to everybody's surprise, the next person who spoke was Florence, sitting right on the front row. As the story goes, she raised her hand and said, I second the motion. Because if it's a crime to care for people in need, if it's a crime to fight racial injustice, then I don't belong here. And so she and her husband Clarence left the church that they grew up in, cut ties with family members, cut ties with friends, all because that's what Jesus Christ called them to do. Impossible. Impossible, I say. And yet time and time again, we see courageous disciples who do just that. Who live their lives not for themselves, but for other people. Where does that kind of courage come from? Where do people get that kind of courage where they can do what Jesus calls them to do, what Jesus promises will occur with discipleship, that we we will face difficulty, that we will face hardship if we truly want to follow the path of Christ? Well, I know that that courage starts with what it starts with. That starts with us not... Taking grace for granted. I've talked to you about this before. That's my definition of of cheap grace. Taking forgiveness for granted. But I dare say time and time again, we do just that. I'm a little tired this morning and I want to tell you why. Last night as I was thinking about this sermon, I was laying awake in bed and I started thinking about all of the things that I take for granted thinking about things like my wife, thinking about things like my home, thinking about things like the fact that I woke up today. And in that list, I had to be honest with myself and add that I take forgiveness for granted. I take it for granted what Jesus Christ has done for me. I take it for granted that God has forgiven me and given me this grace that I cannot earn and I know I take it for granted because every single day I go out and do the same things over and over again. My life hasn't changed one bit in spite of the fact that grace abounds. God's promised us grace. And if I want my life to change, if I want to have a little bit of that courage, then I need something in my life to shake me up, to help me stop taking that grace for granted for just one moment and to realize The cost of my salvation and the cost of discipleship. Years ago, there was a a wonderful little book I bet many of you read called Blue Like Jazz by a man named Donald Miller. It was a great little book with lots of little vignettes, and I enjoyed it, and maybe some of you did too. In that book, he had a little chapter that he entitled Grace. And in that chapter, he told this little story about how he was driving up to Mount Hood in Oregon to to visit some friends. And while he was driving up there, he stopped along a little roadside and went into a grocery store. And while he was there checking out his items, the woman in front of him, he noticed, had food stamps that she was using to pay for her food. Well, he stopped and thought for a minute. He had never seen food stamps. He had lived a pretty sheltered life himself. But he started staring at them for a minute and started to feel a little weird inside. Maybe he should do something for this woman. Maybe he should, should pay for her food for her. And then he noticed that she was kind of noticing him, staring at her. And so he felt very awkward. And instead of doing anything, he just sort of stared at the ceiling, feeling bad, feeling pity, not knowing what to do. When he got outside, he realized for a few moments what was really bothering him. He realized how uncomfortable he was with charity. The gift of charity, not for other people to have. He was fine for this woman to receive food stamps and pay for her food. It was just he was uncomfortable with it for himself. And that, in a nutshell, is why he had so much trouble with grace. Because that's exactly what grace is. Grace comes to us as charity cases. People who cannot earn our living, who cannot earn our salvation, comes to us as charity cases and wraps us up in God's arms and gives us that promise of love. That's why we have such a hard time with grace, I think, because we don't want to be charity cases, and yet we have to remember that if it were not for God's love, if it were not for the promises that we stand on, we would have nothing. It's when we have that little shake-up in our lives and we stop taking God for granted that maybe, just maybe, we'll start to have the courage To do the things that Jesus Christ calls us to do. To take those leaps of faith. To leap out and to give of ourselves, all of ourselves. Not for our own glory, but for God's glory. Not for our own need, but for the needs of our neighbors. It's impossible, I know. And yet, Jesus Christ reminds us what's impossible for you and me. Is not impossible for God. Years ago, I shared with you a little story about a man named Jim Elliott. He was a very famous, famous missionary who went down to Ecuador to to try to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the knee people in Ecuador. He had grown up and learned about Jesus Christ and knew he wanted to share the gospel with people around the world. And so in the 1950s, he went down there to share the gospel. And of course, he went to this tribe of people who were known to be dangerous, known to be difficult, known to not like outsiders. But instead of holding back and being safe, he decided to go ahead and go. And Predictably, maybe he and the three friends that he was with were all killed by this tribe of Warani. A few months later, he inspired, because of his story and his courage, inspired missionaries all over the world to go out to places of scary places, difficult places, to give their lives, to give their all to serve Jesus Christ. And the one person that he inspired the most was his own wife. His own wife who heard this story and knew what had happened to her husband decided to go back to the very tribe where he had gone and share the gospel with those same people who had killed her husband. She went down in spite of people warning her, in spite of people trying to talk her out of it, in spite of people telling her this was a bad idea. She went down, but this time they welcomed her. And when she came back home, they asked her, how did you do it? What did you do differently? How in the world were you able to survive when your husband was not? She simply said, what's impossible for human beings is not impossible for God. God promises us that discipleship will cost us something I dare say if it's not costing you anything, then you may be taking grace for granted. But if you just need a little shakeup, remember that we stand on the promises of God's grace every single day. There is nothing that God has given us that we have earned. And maybe, just maybe, if you and I will have the courage to follow in the path of Christ, then God can do impossible things through you and me too. To the glory of God. Amen.